0: Singing. Open up the heavens, we wanna see. Open up the floodgates, one mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every heart of our breathes. Open up, open up the heavens, we wanna see. Open up the floodgates, one mighty river flowing. Thank you Jesus, praise God Oh it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning You are looking good this morning, amen Tell your neighbor you look good Amen. That's all right. That makes people feel good, doesn't it? If you look at somebody and you can't say that, say it anyway. You, Paul writes, he says, I spoke those things that are not as though they were. Amen. That's faith in action. Praise God. We're going to uh, continue on with our uh, mini-series, uh, Growing in Relationship with God. And I, wow, I just, uh, we've had a couple of good services Saturday night in 830. We just had a tremendous time, and 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 God's been just uh, pouring into us. And I know this is on the heart of God. I know uh, this morning that God is, is extremely interested in you and I being in relationship with Him. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. You don't have to read the Bible very much before you figure out that God's intent, His his uh, desire in all that He did was that he, we could be restored and redeemed and put back into relationship with Him. Uh, when He created man, when He created Adam and Eve, He created them to have a family, to be in relationship with them. And when sin entered the world, that took that out. But God came up with a plan, and He restored it. And that's what He's been up to ever since, is to bring us back into that place of relationship. And what we said last week is that we need to be maturing in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we began by saying something that sounds a little bit like an indictment, but I don't want you to take it as an indictment. I want you to take it as maybe a challenge or an encouragement. Because I, I don't believe God's in heaven threatening people. I don't believe God's in heaven mad at people. I think God's heart and, his, and God in heaven is drawing people. Can you say amen? Yeah. And so he's wanting us <clears throat> to come out of the place that we're at, no matter what place that is, and come up higher. That's what he's wanting from us. But I want you to listen to this. <clears throat> this is the statement we made last week. He says, uh, We said, if there is any problem that we as Christians must solve in our lives... It is our dedication to spiritual infancy. You know, the thing is, is you make a statement like that, and you can take that, and you can make that hard, and you can, you know, call it, you can, I could look at you and go, you're just a bunch of babies. Well, the truth is, there are some baby Christians here, and we know that. But there are Christians here also that have been saved a long time, and it's time to begin to grow. Can you say amen? It's time that we step out of the place that we're at and come up higher. And what we cannot afford to do is we cannot afford to get comfortable in our infancy. We really do need to have before us the goal of spiritual maturity. Our need to grow and to mature in our walk, with our, in our relationship with God is not an option. It's not something that we can take or leave. It's not like, well, you know, maybe I'll think about it. I'll, you know, maybe I'll, you know, next week I'll I'll look into growing a little bit. See, spiritual growth is as real and vital to life and our living as our physical growth is. Amen. And, you know, one of the things that is very exciting in life, if you've been a parent or are a parent or going to be a parent, one of the things that you begin to realize is that relationship between father and son and mother, mother and daughter that is growing. There's something about that that's special. I know as a parent with my sons and my daughter as they have gotten older, they have, they have become my friends, my companions, my partners yep. in life. You know, Kathy and I we made a decision before we had children. We made this decision that we would raise our children not just in the house of God, but we would raise our children to be servants in the house of God. And you know, just like a lot of people, uh, when they have a business, you know, you, the, a plumbing business, it's, you know, um, Joe and Sons Plumbing Company. It is my privilege... And I often stand in awe at watching my children with God's hand on their life being my partner in ministry. Amen. Amen. There's something powerful about that. Because we share and we collaborate and we work together and we pray together. And there's something powerful about that relationship. It amazes me. I'm often amazed by the revelation that I hear that comes out of my children. I listen to them talk and I think, well, who is that kid? Who taught you that? Well, it's because not only are they growing in their relationship with me... They are growing in their own relationship with the Father in heaven. And now God is speaking to them, and they're growing in it. And it's such a special thing. And it's that kind of relationship that God desires to sustain with you and I. And that that relationship would always be progressing towards maturity. Now listen, I need you to catch this. This kind of growth... And this kind of development in maturity, you know what it does? It opens doors to even deeper levels of intimacy with the Father. And in turn, that intimacy makes possible and accelerates a greater maturity of spiritual life and living in Him. There's something very powerful about the plan of God when it's working Together, And here's the key that I've come to understand, at least at this point in my growth, about relationship with God. It must be growing. And if it's growing, then you can rest assured, we are growing. And what we saw last week in all of this is we saw that there is a symbiotic connection between maturity and relationship. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot be mature in your spiritual life without being in relationship. And you cannot walk in relationship without an ongoing growth of maturity. The Bible teaches us clearly that Jesus wants us to move toward a mature walk in God. Scripture after Scripture through the Apostle Paul through the Apostle Peter, all of the different letters, there is this constant encouragement to grow. The reality is, it's not enough to get saved and just wait for heaven. That's not what it's about. Yes, getting saved, but here, you know what the amazing thing? Salvation is the beginning. That's the beginning. And God says, There's so much more. I want you, here's what God says I want you to take your faith and I want you to explore what salvation purchased for you. I want you, in your faith, to have a revelation of the depth of the salvation that Jesus paid for on that cross. I want you to explore what God has truly done for you, and in that, there becomes this relationship and this maturing in our lives. Spiritual maturity really is expressed in the simplest terms by saying this, we're Christ-like. That's what Christian is, isn't it? John the Baptist put it this way. He said, I need to decrease so that he may increase. The world doesn't need to see you. The world needs to see Christ in you. That's that maturing. That's that growing. That's that, that growing in him that literally he puts us on as clothing. Are you hearing me? We are mature in Him only so far as we are like Him. Are you hearing me? The key to maturity in relationship is literally to develop who we are. And this is kind of where we ended last week. We talked about a movie that I, I forget when they, it came out. I think it was in the 90s. And it was kind of a goofy movie. It wasn't a true story, but the point of the movie is profound. And the movie was called The Princess Diaries and I told you that what the movie was about was about a teenage girl, 15, 16 years old, who did not know who her father was but she grew up in a home and she kind of became this goofy you know she walked to the beat of a different drummer she was just she dressed goofy she had wild and crazy hair and you know she was socially awkward but somewhere along the line in the movie she discovers that she is a princess that in fact her father was a prince and her grandmother was queen and the queen set uh, men to look for the heir apparent because it was come becoming time for Her to take her rightful place, and when they found her, they decided that what she needed to be or to have was to have princess lessons. She needed to learn how to be who she already was, and I'm telling you here today, that is exactly what Christians need in their life. We need to learn how to be who God already has created us to be. That's what we've been looking at for the last couple years. We've been looking at identity and relationship, and what we discover is when we discover our identity, who God created us to be, who we really are in Christ, it brings us into this place of relationship with Him, and that relationship brings about a maturity that deepens our identity, which deepens our intimacy and relationship, that causes us to continue to mature in Him, and all of a sudden, we see that there's a wonderful plan in the Word of God for our lives. Identity combined with relationship brings maturity. Maturity deepens our understanding of identity, which in turn deepens our relationship. Listen to what God's telling us. This is powerful, church. It will revolutionize your living. If you're struggling with habits and difficulties, if you're struggling to break the power of the enemy over your life, learn who you are. Amen. When you learn who you are, you find out that you really are a king. You are a priest. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 1 that we are kings and priests unto him. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I used to think that, that was Jesus was the king of, uh, of the kings of the nation. And I know there's truth to that. But it's even more poignant to say that he is the king over kings who we are. We are royalty in the kingdom of God. That's who we are. And when we learn that, it changes how we live. When it changes how we live, we begin to walk in relationship which empowers how we live. It empowers our identity. And it keeps going back and forth until there's a maturity to where we begin to look just like Jesus. Isn't that powerful this morning? Now this morning I want to go on and we're going to look at the same text that we looked at last week, but we're going to look at it from a different version of the Bible. Last week we looked at it in the message, this week we're going to look at it in the NIV. And the reason that we do that is because oftentimes in different translations we'll get a little bit different perspective and it will speak a little bit different way, we'll see it in a different light. And I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 5, it'll be on the board, starting in verse number 11, the Bible says these words, It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Now, in, the, in, the, in this text, in the book of Hebrews, the writer is encouraging us this morning to cultivate a strong desire to move into godly maturity. And this is what he says in verse 1 of chapter 6 from the New Living Translation. Listen to it this way. So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we do not need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Listen to this. He's saying, look it, we need to move on. We need to move up. We need to grow. The question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? It's it's wonderful to understand that that's our need. It's wonderful to understand that needs to take place. But what is our part in it? How do we get this done? Well, as we continue in this subject of spiritual maturity, what we must first do, and I believe this will help us to know what to do, we need to learn to recognize what spiritual immaturity looks like. See, spiritual immaturity is clear and unmistakable. Now, if we can identify and see the clarity of spiritual immaturity, then logic suggests to us that if we would do the opposite, then we would have maturity, right? So let's look at what our text says, what immaturity is. There's four very clear marks Of spiritual immaturity. The first mark of spiritual immaturity is what I call dullness towards the Word of God. In our text, the Bible says this in verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In the message that we read from last week, it said it this way, I have a lot more to say about this, but it's hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. In the New King James Version of the Bible, it says it this way, We have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now here's the thing that I want you to pay attention to. There's some really interesting things. The first thing is this first phrase, I have a lot more to say about this. When I read that, I thought to myself, what is this? What does he have a lot more to say about Inevitably, he's wanting to say something. Inevitably, he's wanting to have a conversation. He's wanting to talk to them about some subject. What is it? He's introduced it. But he can't talk any more about it. So you go back into Hebrews chapter 5 and you read verses 1 through 10, you find out he's talking about Jesus being our high priest. He is the priest in the order of Melchizedek. He is a priest that serves God by representing us before the throne of God, and he talks about who Christ is for us. Now, how many here today would say, honestly, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know him. I want to walk in him. If you can't raise your hand, we'll pray for you later. But we need to know more about him. Now, this is what the writer is saying. He's saying, I want to talk more about this, but I can't because it's really hard to explain. And the reason it's hard to explain is because you don't listen well. See, the word dull in this verse in the King James is derived from two Greek words. The first word is no, and the second word is push. So the literal translation of the word dull in the Greek is no push. Have you ever met somebody with no push? (laughs) Probably where you see it the best is, have you ever gone to a restaurant and got a waiter or a waitress that had no push? You know, they saunter up to the table after about 25 minutes of sitting there. You're really the only one in the restaurant. They're chewing gum. They throw a dirty uh, uh, a menu on your table. What would you like? A new waitress to start. Like some service. You order your food. You wait another half hour. She's just standing there, leaning on the counter, talking to the dishwasher. Your food is sitting on the counter under the light, and you're going, "Hey, there's my food. God, get it. Hang on, hold your horses, man. No push." Or how about a mechanic? You ever you ever had a mechanic with no push? Your cars broke down a, a while back. Several years ago. Um, this was probably now. Oh gosh. Uh, eight, nine years ago now, my truck broke down, and I took it to the dealership, and I thought it was under warranty, and it it was, and there was a whole debate, but I found out that they had no push, because they said to me, they said, we can fix your truck, and I went, great, they said, but we got to order a part from Detroit, and I thought, well, do they even make parts in Detroit anymore, and they said, we're going to get it here right away, and I, I said, great, they said, we'll have it done in about two weeks, I went, what? He said, no, I'm just, he's a couple days. Well, he was prophesying. A couple days I called up and I said, hey, how about my truck? And he goes, oh, I forgot to order the part. Dude, man, I'm taking the bus. Look at this. Just don't walk. You know, I I can't, I can't, I need my truck. He says, I'll get it, I'll get it. Well, literally two weeks later, a 35-cent part Special ordered from the manufacturer in Detroit, Michigan, gets there. It takes about one hour to put it in, and they had my truck. And they said, This is sorry, it took so long. That'll be $950. No push. How I many you know what I'm talking about? No push. Literally, what, what happens is when we become dull, we, we become sluggish or apathetic in our listening. It's the idea who, of someone who is distracted. They, they lose their concentration and they have a low attention span. You ever talk to a child? I recommend it. You can learn a lot from them. Talking to a child, you look them straight in the eye and you go, look look at me, look me, right here, here, look at me. And they look at you and they, you, you tell them what you want them to know and you say, do you understand me? And you think you have their attention. Think again. They're looking with eyes that can't see. They're listening with ears that can't hear. You think they're getting it, but they're not. Jesus, how many love Jesus? You just got to love the way Jesus tells things. He, he, in, when, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he often said to the crowd, he says, he would say things like this. He just would put, put it so succinctly. He would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, at face value, you got to ask yourself, in the first century, were there a bunch of people walking around with no ears? Or was it that they, they, they had ears, they could hear, but they weren't listening? Right. <coughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, right <laughs> See, mature listening is this. It's listening with purpose. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, it says this, and it shall come to pass If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all nations of the earth. Now this phrase, hearken diligently, literally means to hear, to listen to, to hear with attention or interest, or to listen with purpose. Literally, what I believe he 's talking about in this passage of scripture is he 's talking about being a careful, consistent listener, being in tune, being dialed in, ready to respond it 's the picture of, of a runner that 's set in the starting gate, and he 's listening for the gun to fire he 's listening. For that moment when he should start running. And God says, that's how you should listen to me. Listen to me ready to respond. Soon as you hear my word, move on it. That's what he's saying. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, therefore we ought to give more heed, earnest heed, to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now this word slip literally means to drift away. We know it's a nautical phrase that's describing what happens to a boat when it isn't anchored. It's when we become complacent and indifferent and unmoved by what we hear that we are in danger. Without our hearts, our minds fixed upon Christ, we end up being carried away by the currents of this world around us. He says, I don't want you to slip. And he says, what you need to do is you need to take more earnest heed. This word earnest literally means super abundant, exceeding, more frequent, much, much more. (laughs) Heed, listen to this, Heed means this, to bring near, to put in, to turn mind to, to attend to, to be attentive, to hold on, to cleave, to make your own, to be addicted to and devoted through effort. So what does that mean? Let's look at the scripture again. He says, therefore, we ought to give the more super, abundant, exceeding, more frequently, much more, bringing near, making our own, getting addicted, and making our own, those things that we've heard, lest any time we should drift away. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have a friend. He's here today. Craig Hamilton. And I asked, him if, I asked his permission to share this story. Many of you may not know him, but in his life, there came a time when he became, at a fairly young age, a world champion roper in Las Vegas at the rodeo, um, the the rodeo circuit. And I was talking to him one day about it, and he was telling me the story of how he became that. And he was sharing with me that his dad told him, said, every time you go outside, pick up that rope. No matter where you go, make sure you're carrying that rope. You pick it up, you make sure you have that rope with you. When you go to school, when you go to the store, when you go to the gas station, when you go to the barn, even when you go to bed, make sure you got that rope with you. You hang on to that rope. You make that rope a part of you. And then he tells me that there came a time when his dad took him into the corral and they were practicing roping and they were doing whatever it is that they do. But that particular day, it was rainy and windy and cold and it was the kind of day that you wouldn't want to be out. It was, it was the kind of day that you would want to be inside eating you know, chili or something, not outside roping things. And he looks at his dad and he says, Dad, why are we out here? Why why are we doing this? And his dad looked at him and said, because no one else is. See, there was something on the inside of his dad that understood that if you're going to be a world champion, if you're going to do this, then you're going to have to make it a part of you. And that's what we're talking about here when we talk about listening. He says what has happened to people is they've become dull in hearing. They've lost their attention. They've lost their ability to hear. So what maturity tells us is that we make it a part of us. We listen with the intent to respond. We take it everywhere we go. We listen for the voice of God. We don't become dull in our hearing. See, it's so easy to become dull through neglect, through taking the Word of God for granted. It's like, ah, you know, hey, it's cold and windy out. You know, it's a bad day for that. Champions practice in the wind. Tiger Woods held a golf club all his life. Even when he was three years old, his dad had him out on the golf course. Can you imagine Oliver with a golf club? Look out. But somewhere along the line, his dad gave him a club and said, hang on to that. There's a story told of Michael Jordan that he didn't make this high school basketball team. He didn't make the cut. And he determined from that point on that he would become the world's greatest basketball player. So what he did is every night he would show up at the court, and he would sit there with that basketball, and he would make three-point shot, three shots. And he would practice and practice and practice and practice until making three-point shots was second nature. That is what God's calling us to be as Christians. That's maturity, being so dialed in to the voice of God that we make it our own. Listening for God. But what happens is we get neglectful. We take it for granted. Or we just straight up fail to obey it. It's like, oh, God's not really serious about all that. No, he, he really is. God doesn't say anything that he's not serious about. Can you say amen? The second mark of immaturity is unhealthy appetites. You can tell a lot by a person or a lot about a person by watch, watching what they eat. You know, you remember the old quote, you are what you eat. You eat a lot of donuts? (laughs) Say, you don't look like a donut. No, I eat donut holes. (laughs) Big round. Not really. (laughs) How many understand the word of God is food? And we're to have a healthy appetite of that. There's some revealing words here. In our text, listen to verse 12. It says, this is from the New Living Translation. It says, you've been Christians a long time now. You ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about the Scriptures. You're like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. You know, I saw something at my son's house the other day that was rather disturbing. (laughs) Oliver, who's three, just turned three, Last week, I think. Was drinking out of a glass. And Andrew was drinking out of a sippy cup. (laughs) That's unhealthy, man. See, Paul is describing a group of people here who have unhealthy appetites. All they want is milk. You know why? Milk is easy to digest. Now listen to me. If milk is what you can handle, then by all means, eat milk. But don't stay at milk. But if you can eat steak, we ought not to settle for milk. Amen. See, unhealthy appetites is a certain mark of spiritual immaturity. It's a significant sign of sickness, lack of discipline, and a lack of growth. See, I think the hallmark of our society is unhealthy appetites. They can range from no appetite at all, being completely lacking any enthusiasm. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, we ought to come to church, man, excited. Do you know the word enthusiasm began as a word to describe passion for God? Go look it up. Go look up. Here, I'll give you a really a $50 word. Look up the entomology of enthusiasm. It'll blow your way. It's about being excited about God. But sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. How about wrong appetites? Appetites that are based in immediate gratification. It's like, I got to eat, so we might as well do McDonald's. They had a, a a documentary a while back called. Uh, it was a great documentary. It's kind of cool. You can watch it on Netflix. It's called Supersize Me. And the guy, this guy, he he decided to to uh, go 31 days and eat nothing but McDonald's. Now I don't have a problem with McDonald's. That's obvious. But the reality is, 31 days at McDonald's isn't healthy. By the end of 31 days, the guy was about dead. Because, see, what's happened in our society was we've become addicted to fast food. Quick, 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 quick. Let's get it done. I don't got time. I don't got this. I don't got that. And we just what we do is we end up building an appetite that's wrong right. or limited appetites. How about an uh, appetite that it's limited? You can't because you're sick or because of age or immaturity. It's limited. So, well, how do I change the appetite? Well, first, got to make a decision. I was talking with a lady in the office after 8.30 service, and she says, you know what, I know sugar is wrong. And she goes, but I crave it. I just crave sugar. She said, but my doctor told me that if I'll just stop for a period of time, my appetite will change. You know that's true about the word of God. You know what where most people fail in the word of God is they start. They start off, they go, "Okay, I'm going to get into this. I'm I'm going to do this." And they do it for 15 20 minutes and they go, "See, it didn't work." You can't you can't eat a Twinkie and then think you're going to be okay. You're going to have to get into a practice. And after a while, appetites will begin to build, and all of a sudden, there'll be a desire. There'll be an understanding and a revelation, and you'll begin to grow in it. Can you say amen? Amen. See, people with unhealthy appetites are people who are ruled by their emotions. They have no consistency, no stability. Every decision is made in light of how they presently feel. Every action is the result of the present prevailing emotion. Their life is a picture of extremes. They go from one extreme to the other. Their past is littered with snap decisions, failed attempts at success, broken relationships. And the list, they have lists after lists of the excuses why they are the victim in life. That's people that have wrong appetites. See, the Bible says to be hungry for righteousness. And when we are, we shall be filled. We have to check that appetite. But see, we got to listen. See, when you listen, ready to respond, it will change your appetite. And when your appetite changes, you'll be able to overcome the next mark of immaturity. The third mark of immaturity is unskilled in the Word. In Hebrews 5.13 in our text, it says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the Word of righteousness, for he is a babe. In 2 Timothy 3, 7, it says they're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They constantly hear, but because they don't listen, because they desire and have an appetite for other things, they never grow listen in Ephesians 4:14 4, Paul writes he says no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made it the lie sound like the truth he says we got to grow up man we got to grow up We're going to have to learn to be skilled. And this is where he writes to Timothy. He says to young Timothy, his disciple, he says in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So look at the path we've come already. He says, listen, make it your own. Listen with the intent to respond. That will in turn change your appetite so you have a right appetite. In doing so, you will become skilled in rightly dividing, dividing the word of truth, that you may own it and that it may be yours and thereby bring about maturity. But what does it mean this morning to rightly divide the word? It means to handle with skill, to cut straight, to accurately analyze and apply. See, it's when we use the word, it's we hear it, change our appetites, and we study. We take the time to study. (coughs) We take the time to find out. We meditate on it. We get a scripture that's speaking to us and we spend time with it. We find out its context, its language. We find out what God's saying to other people about it. We listen. We look up words and what we do is we study and we discover how it applies to us. We become skilled in the word of God, thereby deepening our maturity. And when we do that, we find ourselves overcoming the last mark of immaturity, and that's the inability to discern between good and evil. He says in verse 14, he said, but solid food is for the mature. Now listen, I I need you to pay attention to this word. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Do you understand that there is a training In the King James Version, it says, who by use exercise themselves to distinguish between good and evil. In Hebrews 5.14 in the New Living, it says, solid food is for those who are mature, who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong, and then do what is right. I'm amazed this morning at how many Christians still struggle with basic temptations church you have by virtue of what Christ did on the cross you have been set free from the kingdom of darkness there is no temptation such as common to man whereby God won't make a way of escape he's provided everything he's given you his name his word his authority his power he's given you sonship and he's made you a joint heir but yet because we don't know who we are We don't walk in relationship, and ultimately we don't grow, and so we get stymied with the most basic of temptations. And not only that, sometimes it's not just the distinction between what is evil and good, but sometimes it's actually to discern what is valuable and simply that which is a waste of time. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, he says, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. He says, All things are lawful to me, but all things don't edify. See, Christian maturity settles the issue of what's right and wrong. But it also goes on to ask the question, Will this edify me? Will it help my Christian life? See, there are certain things in life that are not necessarily wrong, They're just a waste of time. They just don't do anything for you. They just distract you. And we have to ask ourselves, how will it affect those around me? In 1 Corinthians 4.20, listen to what Paul writes. He says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. It will amaze you if you do a word study and study out the word mature and growth, how much God is concerned about you and I growing. Growing in relationship, growing in identity, growing in maturity. Spiritual growth should be the goal of every Christian. And the reason why is because it just doesn't happen on its own. just doesn't happen on its own. We must take an active role in facilitating it. We must understand that age alone does not produce maturity. It's amazing how many of us think it does. We love the thought of automatic growth. Neil Anderson said this in his book, Victory Over Darkness. He said, every Christian is responsible for his or her own maturity No one can make you grow. Growth and maturity are daily decisions. Maturity is a choice. It's not automatic. I remember Pastor Pennington told me years ago in my discipleship, he said, John, there are no shortcuts at the leadership table of Christ. He says, you got to grow. So as I close... I want you to think about this. We're about two minutes out, so hang on with me. Facilitating growth, it begins with a desire. Somewhere there's got to be a want to. There's got to be this thing inside us that says, "You know what? I want that." You know, I think that we've come to a place in some areas of Christianity or some areas of our life in our Christianity. It's kind of like ah, it just don't matter. We have to want to. We have to desire it. Desire it. You say, well, okay, I I want that. I I want it. Now what? Desire is not enough. It must be followed by decision. We must make a decision. We have to make up our mind. The Bible says many are the people in the valley of decision. We're struggling. We're running around in circles. We want it, but we've never decided to get it. And it's available. You have, that's who you are. Look at It's already done. The work is already done. It was done at the cross. You are, in fact, royalty in the kingdom, whether you know it or believe it. You are. It's who you are. Not because I said it, but because Jesus said it. He said that's who you are. Now you've got to want it, and you're going to have to make a decision to walk in it. And then every decision must be followed with discipline. Here's where it's interesting to me. When you look up, and I challenge you, go home and look up the word discipline in the Webster's Dictionary. You're going to find several definitions there, but one of them, one of them is the decision Everybody woke up? Y'all listening now? Okay. One of the dis- definitions of discipline is this, the training that brings a specific result. That's what discipline is. See, church, we have done, the, the church world has done kind of a bad thing. We've came, taken the idea of discipline and we've made it about Punishment. Do you understand punishment and discipline are very different okay punishment is punitive punishment never works it just doesn't you, you say how do you know that look at our prison system is it working not much you can punish people but generally what you do is you just make sneakier people they just learn how to not get caught they just get more sophisticated In their criminal behavior, or you can bring discipline, you can bring a training that brings a specific result. That's why that we train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. We discipline, bring training, and that was what God's saying. We need to we need to learn. We need to study. We need to discover. That's the word. Discover through your faith who you are. And then in that faith, explore that relationship and that wonderful revelation of the Father. And in doing so, when those two begin to come together, there is a growth of maturity that deepens both of them. And we become exactly what God already made us to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, this morning, there is no excuse for spiritual immaturity. We have everything we need. We just need to want it, make a decision to get it, and discipline our lives with it. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this revelation. We ask today, Lord, that you would write this upon the table of our heart. We ask today that you would challenge us and stir us and change us today, God. Lord, that as we go from this place today that we would put our minds upon this, that we would meditate upon it, that we would, that we, that we would make it our necessary food. Lord, that we would allow it to change who we are and what we are. Lord, we thank you that you're a good, good Father and that you show us how to walk as children in the kingdom. And Father, I pray that every person in this room, every person in the sound of my voice would be stirred and challenged for maturity in Christ, that we would grow. You've done it for us. You've given us everything we need. You've made the way clear. All we have to do is walk in it. And Father, we thank you I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed if you're here today and you say, you know, I don't know Jesus is my Savior. I'm not right with God. I don't even know, you talked about identity and relationship and I don't even know what that means. But I want Jesus. I want to be saved. I want what you're talking about. If that's you and you've never said a sinner's prayer, would you lift your hand? Would you lift it up quickly? Say, that's me today. I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. Amen. I see those hands. I want you to all pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I give you my life, and I receive your life in return. In Jesus' name.